1942, he moved to Santiago, where he attended university, and became a famous film director, Alejandro Jodorowsky. I'm just saying. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> I, uh... Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist. I'm Joseph Dorowski, here with Todd Mack, and each week we look at a great character and a great story. Our mission is to discuss every notable character ever created. We may be here a while. We will scour novels, television, film, and comic books for fascinating characters, intriguing protagonists, and infuriating antagonists. Join us as we discuss the great moments that define a character and the unique traits that captivate audiences. Today we're talking about President Jed Bartlett from the season two finale of the TV series The West Wing titled uh, Two Cathedrals. Bartlett is played by Martin Sheen in the present and in flashbacks by Jason Widener. Uh, the episode was written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Thomas Schlammy. Is that right? Schlammy? Schlammy. Schlam. So. What a great name. Me. Yeah. Um, the season of The West Wing won lots of awards um emmy for outstanding drama series uh, martin sheen was nominated for outstanding lead actor um rob lowe uh in, in the season rob lowe was uh, nominated for outstanding lead actor bradley whitford john spencer R- richard schiff for outstanding supporting actor allison janney and stalker channing for outstanding supporting actress janney won a uh, whitford won the uh what supporting out uh, lead actor supporting actor supporting actor uh, Aaron Sorkin for Outstanding Writing, Thomas Schlemme and Lara Innes for Outstanding Directing, Schlemme won, and Oliver Platt for Outstanding Guest Star. He's really good. So this, Oliver Platt. Uh, he's a fine actor. And this, so you can see, this this series was well-respected in season two. Yes, indeed. So uh, tell me, Joseph, uh, how did you come across The West Wing? I didn't actually watch any episodes of The West Wing as they aired... Uh, after the DVD series or DVD sets were being released, my younger brother pushed them on me. And after watching the pilot, I was pretty much hooked and burnt, burnt through them very quickly. And then, as is so so true in the cases of pushing and addictions, I then pushed them onto you, Todd. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, so I heard about the West Wing from you. Um, we had a my first son was had just been born, and for uh, various reasons, I was uh, feeding him in the nights, and I needed something to keep me awake. And so I started watching The West Wing late at night, feeding the baby. And, uh, man, good memories. At the time, I was single and childless, which made binging much easier. So I was able to run through all seven seasons pretty quickly. Yeah, you can uh, you can burn through a lot of TV and with uh, late night feeding. All right. Uh, so this episode that we are talking about today is called two cathedrals and it is the culmination of several story arcs in season two. President Bartlett has been, uh, well, he's been suffering from MS for a long time, but it's been revealed to various members. Do you want to, do you want to take one step back and just give us like a general, what is the West wing about? The West wing is about the U S government and the people who are employed by it, particularly in the executive branch. The original vision for the West Wing was actually just to have the staff of the West Wing of the White House and never actually see the president of the United States. Just have him kind of as this figure that everyone's always running off to meetings to go meet with the president or the president's doing this or that. But we're only seeing the the staff uh, that makes up the West Wing. But once they 
uh, after some notes from from the network, and they cast Martin Sheen as a cameo for the for the pilot. They then decided to make him a regular, and he became one of the central figures of the series. So we have the president, his chief of staff, uh, the deputy director of communications, deputy chief of staff. You know, so several other figures from the from the West Wing, and they're all really good characters. And it's uh, a largely a, a well written series through its whole run. Yes. So Two Cathedrals is about this president of the United States, and he has just um, uh, p- people in the that work close to him are are coming to learn that he has MS, that he had him MS when he ran for president, and he didn't tell anybody about it. Um, and so in this episode. Uh, well, a few a few different things are going on. First is um, he's going to tell the country that he has MS, uh, which will then beg the question: Is he going to run for a second term? Which uh, politically just s- seems uh, impossible. Um, his personal secretary had died at the end of the episode just previous to this one, and so he's thinking a lot about her as he's getting ready for her funeral. And so her funeral is going to be on the same day as him uh, making this announcement about whether he will or will not. Well, first of all, announcing that he has MS, and then, and then later at a press conference, he'll have to answer the question, is he going to run for a second term? And throughout this episode, no one knows the answer to that question of, is he going to run? And so the staff is trying to make plans, if he is or if he's not, um, what they're going to need to be doing. And as he's thinking about whether he's going to uh, – as he's thinking about um, his secretary, he uh, flashes back to when he was young and met this woman, Mrs. Landingham, and kind of their relationship. And so if that sounds interesting to you, then you should stop this right now and go watch uh, season two, episode 22. 22, yeah. It's the finale. Of The West Wing. It's on Netflix, or you can buy it uh, through using a link on our website at the protagonist pod, our protagonistpodcast.com. From here on out, it is going to get much more spoilery. That was a general discussion, which may have sounded spoilery, but it's going to be much more so now. Okay. So, uh, great moments. Jed Bartlett. He has a lot of good moments in this episode. Uh, the, the West Wing has a lot of great characters, and throughout the series, there are episodes that focus on all of them. This is very much a Bartlett-centric episode, and we really get two versions of of Bartlett. We get him as a young man who is not yet uh, presidential material, not yet the man he will become. And then, well, I, I, even the the adult Bartlett that we see in this is not the Bartlett that we've been familiar with for the previous 40-some-odd episodes of the series because he is being plagued by self-doubt, uh, and uh, we're used to him being very authoritative and very uh, decisive. Yeah, so you can see this in the... Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting that we chose this episode, because we really uh, don't get to see Bartlett being Bartlett, as as he is through the whole series. Um, but, uh, so there's a, there's a situation in Haiti... Um, and he's in the Situation Room, and you can just see that this guy is totally distracted. He's off his game. Um, the president's usually full of statistics and uh, very high energy, 
And he's always dropping trivia and facts. Very decisive, and he just isn't. Uh, and in this episode, he's asking people for things, whereas he's always the one telling other people facts that they don't even want to know, that they don't even need. He's right. just showing off and feeding information to people. And in this one, he's kind of sadly asking questions about, hey, what? There's there's a thing a mile per hour, the tropical storm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't even seem to care. Yeah. I guess we should, I, I think maybe for our discussion, let's break it into present day Bartlett and, and past uh, young Bartlett, uh, and just talk about each. Okay. Uh, which do you want to tackle first? Um, let's tackle, uh, young Bartlett first. Okay. So young Bartlett, we see he is at a prep school and his dad is in charge of the prep school and his dad is getting a new secretary who is Dolores Landingham. And, uh, you get the sense that young Bartlett is, is smart, that he is respected by his peers, uh, that he he is he's quite capable, um, but Mrs. Landingham really pushes him to be more than what he is when we first meet him. So the first time that we meet him, uh, he uh, his dad is calling him over. We hear, we're hearing uh, church bells. His dad calls him over to tell him that somebody has dropped a cigarette butt in the in the church, and uh, and. That his dad expects him to be able to tell the other boys not to do that. Tell you, go tell your friends. Um, later on, we'll find out that that may or may not have been uh, young Bartlett himself. Do you think it was? Uh, yeah. I kind of think it was. There's nothing explicit to, to say one way or the other. But from what we see later on, uh, it, it sure seems like it's a callback to right. him smoking. Particularly because he, we know he was kind of upset during uh during the service yeah because the service was being called a non-denominational service and he felt that it was uh distinctly protestant Mm. so uh so he starts hanging out with uh dolores lanningham this is still young bartlett and they have these sort of uh, debates that that don't really feel like debates i mean they kind of he he's he kind of complains about things and then she tells him to stop complaining and like the non-denational <laughs> non-denominational service uh but then she comes to him and uh, she tells him that she's concerned because the women at the school are paid less than the men uh and he doesn't believe her and then she tells her or he tells her uh if you want to convince me of something show me numbers and so she comes back with numbers and um, and a bunch of cases where men at the school are being paid more than women for uh, the same or similar work. And there's this moment where he, he doesn't verbally commit to doing anything about this. She wants him to go talk to his dad. And there's uh, the, the key moment where... Uh, his body language makes the decision that he's going to do something where she says that he, he puts his hand in his pocket, looks off in the distance and smiles. And that means that he's, he's going to take action. Yeah. She, you can tell that she really, she really loves him. She thinks a lot of him and, um, but she doesn't want him to coast. I, he, he's smart enough that he could get by without pushing himself. And she doesn't want to let that happen. She says, you're a boy King. And we've all known people like that, who, you know, can get good grades without really trying. Uh, but if they had applied themselves or if they did apply themselves, they could, they could do something great, but because it's easy enough to coast, they, 
they don't have to do that. And she is not willing to let that happen to, to young Jed Bartlett. It's, it's really, it, it reminds me because we know where his journey ends. It reminds me of the hero's journey of you know the call to action. She's giving him a call to action and, and he needs to step up to it or he's, he's not going to become the hero that we see throughout the series. Yeah. She's what we would call a herald. Indeed. Or a messenger. So he, he does that with his hands and the look and the smile, and she says that means you're going to do something about it. But interestingly, in these flashbacks, he doesn't succeed at doing anything about it because he goes in to talk to his dad about both the non-denominational service and the uh, the pay disparity between men and women, and the dad is angry at him when uh, when he walks in because of an article that he wrote in the newspaper. Yeah, so, I mean, he actually doesn't even go in. I don't think he even goes in to talk about non-denominational service. He gets called in because his dad's mad at him because of this Ray Bradbury quote that he uh, published in the school newspaper, um, which then leads Jed to tell him it's not a non-denominational service. Man, I can't say that word tonight. (laughs) Um, So then his dad hits him, uh, and in the end... And the dad says, is there anything else? And, and Jed, lo- like, he loses this battle. He says no, and he walks out. It's, it's not <laughs> the greatest moment. Uh, if, or it's not what we've come to expect when we're seeing heroic journeys. Yeah. Because he, he fails. Uh, and, and you really get the sense that the dad uh, is, is almost jealous of Jed, that he, he has the sense of how smart he is. I think Mrs. Landingham later even says that. Right. That, you know, his dad kind of had an inferiority complex about both his brothers and his son. Yeah. He also says something interesting Jed does when he's talking about the <clears throat> non-denominational service. He says Catholics don't believe that we're saved by faith alone. And um, and I think that works really comes into play uh, later in this episode. But there is this idea that – I mean, and Lanningham even brings it up you know, earlier. He says, you're a boy king. Uh, you're smarter than everybody, but you've got to do something about it. It's not enough to be smarter than everybody. You've got to use that to make the world better, and and that becomes important for, for Jed later. So that's our young Jed, and then we, we're going to switch now and talk about the, the present-day older Jed, played by Martin Sheen. And as we've said already a little bit, he he's not himself. He's off his game, and he's not even letting his staff into, you know, uh, know what his thoughts or his his leanings are when it comes to you know these very big decisions for him and politics and for the country and his party about what their uh, his decision is going to be. And early on in this, I think it's the very first scene in this episode. Some Democratic strategists are talking to Leo McGarry, who's the chief of staff, and saying we you know we need to know what he's going to decide. And all Leo can tell him is there's going to be a press conference tonight. I'd watch. Yeah. And that kind of becomes, you know, the the idea of watching and, and seeing what Bartlett's going to do is also something that, that comes up a few times. Right. Well, because we, the audience, we're watching to see what's going to happen, but also everyone in the White House is watching him to see what's going to happen. And for most of the episode, he just kind of muddles around. He goes to these meetings. He's distracted. He's, like, sighing, and he just looks completely defeated throughout. Um, and then... Uh, they make it to the funeral and, right. and again, even it's held at the national cathedral, right. And everybody in the funeral, um, they're repeating prayers and he just is kind of staring off into space thinking about Mrs. Lanningham, um, in the past 
funeral ends. Um, he asks the Secret Service to lock the lock the cathedral, close the cathedral for him, and then we get this incredible kind of famous scene. It's a, a monologue of of Bartlett talking to God quite angrily, uh, and it, it's famous. I think for a number of reasons, it's very well directed. It's very well acted. It intersperses English and Latin, which always gives stuff uh, an air of heft of weight. <laughs> You're throwing on, in a dead language. Gravitas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's quite powerful. The music as well. Uh, the music really uh, adds, adds to this particular scene. And Jed kind of lays out everything that he's feeling at God, uh, you know, yelling at God. He, we've said that he hasn't told anyone what he's, what he's feeling. Well, here we get it that he's overwhelmed. He says, I've tried to be good. I've tried to do your work. I'm trying to be the best president that I can be for myself, for my country and for you, but you're giving me everything. You know, right. you're giving me Mrs. Landingham's death. You give me Haiti. Uh, you, you know, you give me MS. Um, at what point is it too much? And he kind of says, this is the point for me that it's too much. I quit. And he tells God, go hang yourself on a cross, which is in Latin, (laughs) which is pretty, I mean, it's, I showed this at BYU where, you know, most of the students in my class are quite religious and, um, they were pretty shocked. It was, um, it was hard, hard for them to watch something like this, uh, and in the end, he yeah, Bartlett says, "I quit. You get Hoynes, who is his vice president, that nobody really likes. I mean, no, n- nobody watching the series would like would like Hoynes, <laughs> um, but we get the we get the impression that he's quite popular, and there may be a the, ch- there the may Democratic be a chance. strategists want him to run, right? There may be a chance, uh, even given the MS, that Hoynes could win the presidency, but there's no way Bartlett could. Um, so." Now that moment that you said uh, you shouldn't have our time with, did they feel? I mean, what was was it? Just the emotion of it all? Well, it just feels blasphemous, and um, and we. I mean, we ended up having a really good discussion about uh, what does this mean, and uh, I talk a lot to my students about um, John Bowlby and attachment theory, and the idea that even in attacking someone, uh, often the the reason that you're attacking them is because you're terrified of losing the relationship that you have with them. And this is, this is sort of your last recourse. And it reminds me of this, um, Ellie White Weisel quote, uh, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. The opposite of beauty is not ugliness. It's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy. It's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death, but indifference between life and death. And, um, and so we had a really good discussion about, uh, that, um, this kind of lashing out at God is, I mean, in my opinion, a far greater sign of belief and and even love and devotion than than the indifference that we see, you know, pretty much everywhere. Right. This is not Bartlett losing faith in God because if he had lost faith in God and didn't believe in him, he wouldn't yell at him. Right. So he clearly still has... Uh, belief that that God is there and listening. And uh, this is the callback that makes me think, and sounds like you think as well, that, that Bartlett may have been the one who, who threw down the cigarette butt in the, in the cathedral at his prep academy, because at the end of his speech, he lights a cigarette and throws it down on the floor of the national cathedral. Right. 
so they, they had uh, head out of the uh, out of the cathedral and back to the White House, and he lets uh, Leo know that he will not be running again. And Leo tells everybody on the staff, and um, we get just the very first part of the announcement to the country. Which is, I mean, it's a, it's. I don't think we even get see any of the uh, the press conference when he and his wife tell the country. What that what you see a... is the president and his wife are sitting in a room, and you don't actually see them, but you hear a voiceover where he says, "You know, uh, several years ago, I started feeling numbness and whatever," and then it cuts out. Um, but but it it's amazing because every time I think about this episode, I think in my head I can see him sitting next to his wife, giving a. a speech where he's like laying it all out on the line but we never ever see it it's um but you trick yourself into thinking that we're really really that. good uh storytelling right yeah it, it's really well written to be able to do that to make you think there's a scene in there that's not you get all the information you need to kind of mentally insert the scene right uh after this television interview we get it's an odd scene i don't know what to call it where president bartlett is alone in the oval office and he gets visited by Mrs. Landingham, uh, his secretary who died in the previous episode, funeral he was at. And it's shot in such a way that you know Mrs. Landingham isn't there, but at the same time, it seems like President Bartlett is talking to someone. <laughs> right. Uh, so the actress enters the scene, and there's this exchange that mirrors some of the exchanges that they had, you know, the pseudo-debates from when President Bartlett was young. Uh, but we are given one shot of President Bartlett sitting alone in a chair talking without Mrs. Landingham there. Landingham there. So the editing is establishing she's not really in the room with him. Right. But it, it's hard to know what to make of the scene. It's what <laughs> it's what uh, Tatarov would call fantastic, meaning there's really no way for us to know exactly what's going on. Is this all in his head? Uh, it could you be. Know, is he really being visited by a spirit that's calling him again to action? Right. And the answer uh, to that is yes. Yeah, it's it's all of that. <laughs> right. So she comes in and she says, I don't feel sorry for you. Um, he says, give me numbers. She says, you give me numbers. And then we see Bartlett really for the first time in this episode kind of get back in the game as he starts talking to her about um, not only the, the good things that he's done as president, but all of the work that needs to be done still. Right. What are the problems the country's still facing that he could have a role in fixing? Sure. And, uh, and then she leaves. Uh, the music starts playing, this Band of Brothers song. And uh, he steps out in the rain so he can get soaked. So that right, that's a, uh, so we, I think we made some references to a tropical storm, but there is this like once in history storm that's hitting Washington DC and it's just pouring rain outside and he steps right out into it. Steps out in the rain so that he can be soaked so that we can all know that this is his baptism. This is his moment of redemption and kind of washing away. And of rebirth because he's, he's essentially been, been taken out by MS and everything else that's been built up on him. He's been buried right? and now he's going to come out. And then, uh, he walks back in. Charlie comes in and tells him it's time to go. Um, they he, he walks back through the White House and picks up his entourage as he as he walks. All these people are joining him. We get the classic hero shot of the group walking towards the camera, with you know the the leader in the center and everyone else fanning out behind him. And this is and and CJ who is the press secretary. She's uh, she's already 
uh, at the where are they giving this? Well, there's because of, <laughs> I mean, just amongst all the other things that are going wrong for the staff, they discovered asbestos in the usual uh, room where they hold the press conferences. So they have to go to another building. Uh, so it's like it's the, the, the State Department. The State Department. Yeah, they're yeah. in the State Department. And uh, and actually, uh, the, there's a moment and they're, they're traveling in the motorcade to the State Department so he can go to this press conference and, and they drive by the National Cathedral and you see a custodian cleaning up the cigarette butt. Which is actually... Uh, apparently the national cathedral is not on the way from the white house to the, uh, <laughs> to the state department, but, but it works within the story. Yeah. You know what? President Bartlett wasn't really a president, but he is in this universe. That... Apparently the national cathedral is somewhere else in That's the Western true. universe. That is true. What did you know? He's really, he's really not. He's really not. He was never the president <laughs> of the United States. Side note. Did you know the national cathedral has Darth Vader on it? No. Uh, in the gargoyles, there is, Darth Vader is one of the gargoyles wow. on the National Cathedral. That's amazing. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that, but that, that's amazing. <laughs> so, um, so CJ is giving this press conference, and she's answering all of these questions that that basically let us know if he tries to run for president again, he is going to get just avalanched. Because he's li- the country's lost trust in him and faith in him. And he's going to be subpoenaed, and every single person that works on his staff is going to be subpoenaed. And Right, the, there will be hearings held. And, and everybody that's going to be working on this are all his enemies appointed by Republican presidents. And, uh, and, and then he walks in. He, somebody hands him a rag, and he wipes the, the rain off of his face. And he, he's just uh, he's a fighter. They got all the, yeah, fla- all the like flash bolts. Yeah, boxer in the corner. Yeah, the, the boxer's coming into the ring. And uh, all the flashbacks. Well, even not even coming into the ring. I mean, yes, you get that with yeah, the hero shot, the, but but when he's wiping the the face, it's a boxer who's gone a couple rounds yeah, yeah. and is getting ready to go for one more. Yeah. And CJ has coached President Bartlett to say, uh, "Go ask this medical correspondent from I think it's Time Magazine. Ask him the first question so that the focus is not on politics. That you're you're making the focus on your health. So you need to ask this one man to to guide the direction of this whole press conference. You need to start with a medical health question. He looks like such a nice old man. <laughs> the uh, the reporter. Yeah. <laughs> and he would do exactly what they want. He would ask the question they wanted him to ask. Yep. <laughs> there's there's no way he was going to throw a curveball. No, he was. He just looked so meek. Just just waiting to get called on to ask his question. But uh, they, but he so so Bartlett walks in. He stands up to the podium. He looks over at the man that he's supposed to ask the the the, the that is supposed to ask this first question. That's going to be a, a softball question. And then uh, he looks away, uh, points to the middle, asks a woman who is not the woman who's supposed to ask the first question uh, for her question. And she asks him if he's going to run for president again. Uh, camera. Uh, we get a cut to Leo, who they're they're watching this on monitors, and and then Leo turns away from the monitors towards the president and tells the people uh, that are watching it with him. He says, "Watch this," and then Bartlett sticks his hands in his pockets. He looks away and he smiles, and the camera pans around him, and we get the this pouring torrential rain and the flag blowing in the background, and uh, the episode ends cuts at uh and it's it's similar to you remembering the uh the sit-down interview with mrs bartlett and president bartlett i remember him answering the question 
but he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the, but it's so clear. I mean, the audience knows which way this is going. Yeah. It's, I mean, West Wing is famous for some of its season finales. The season finale of the first season just ends with a gunfire. Oh, don't get and, me started on the on the season one. <laughs> and someone's saying, man down, man down. And that's when it cut. And, uh, and so you didn't know which of the staff or... Uh, who had been hit. You just know someone had been hit. Yeah, and uh, some of this us... This one, at least, you even though they don't show it, you know where this is going. You know he's going to be running again. Yeah, some of us were watching that in the middle of the night, feeding their baby on, and I, on I'm DVD. I'm pretty sure you, you, you called me, and you got the next season finale in the middle of the night, or pre- premiere in the middle of the night. It was very late, and <laughs> this I was... This pre- was before Netflix, so I you didn't have the option upset. to just stream the next one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so he decides to run again and get back in the fight. Which is what good heroes do. Right. So, Todd, I guess, uh, what do you like about President Bartlett? Uh, I'll tell you what my concern is about President Bartlett. Um, uh, There's this this kind of nag in the back of my mind that wonders if he's maybe a little bit too perfect. Um, Because he just is – he's a really great character. Um, and I really, I like his, um, uh, he's smart. He cares about the people that work for him. He's loyal, uh, to the people who work for him, which in turn inspires just fierce, fierce loyalty in the people around him. You, um, you have some foils like Hoynes, who you always feel is in politics for his own personal glory. And you never feel that about, about Bartlett. I guess, I don't know. It, it seems to me like there is no one is Bartlett's equal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like even, mm-hmm. even his, his rivals who show up, people like Hoynes, you never feel like they pose any real threat to Bartlett. Right. And I've, I've heard it said that he is, uh, even uh, for, for Democrats or Republicans, he's kind of the platonic ideal of what you'd want in a president. He's religious. He's intelligent. He's thorough. He's thoughtful. Uh, he, as you said, he inspired, you know, he's a leader. He just is a leader. And even in this episode where we see him kind of at his lowest, uh, it's never really, I don't know. It's a beautiful, it's a beautifully written episode and it's beautifully acted, but, but it's never really like, you never get the impression that, Oh, you know what? You know what I bet's going to happen? I bet he's just really going to throw in the towel and then walk (laughs) away and, And, or, and that he's going to be this way for the next, you know, year of his presidency, yeah. that he's going to have, you know, lost his, his confidence. But I think we, uh, having this counterpoint, seeing him not himself, like it sticks out so much that he's not the one in control of the room. Whereas we're just so used to him being in control of every room that he walks into. Uh, it makes you realize how much of his core that characteristic is, that that is what we think of when we think of President Bartlett. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't think my, I don't, I don't have any particular gripes with Bartlett as a character, um, but I do sometimes wish that there were somebody else that were, you know, up to his level. I don't know. I just feel like yeah, and even it's, though even the ones, too easy. yeah, and even the ones that are kind of approaching it you you always get the sense that they're on their way to being there but not there yet there's an episode i can't remember what season's in where he's playing chess with basically every member of his staff because it's late night and they were just gifted a bunch of chess boards and he's walking from room to room and you know sam has moments where he's seeing the world the way president bartlett sees it but you also know that's not how sam always sees the world like president bartlett is playing several moves ahead of his entire staff Mm. 
but it but then you know but then i sit down and think about it and I'm, it's it's such a minor it's such a dumb minor complaint <laughs> to say well no he's well, just too good <laughs> And he's he's not perfect. I, I think most of the flaws we see are actually more in his personal relationships with his his family. He right. doesn't have the greatest relationship with his wife or even some of his daughters. Yeah, that's true. His wife, um, his but, wife especially. Yeah, that's a strange relationship. Uh, but he, as far as politicians go, he's kind of you know the the idealized platonic ideal of 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 a president for our country. And I think that the thing that I like the most about about uh, president Bartlett is the people that he has surrounded himself with are just awesome. Yeah. They're all good people. They're, they're not perfect. Uh, not even as close to perfect as president Bartlett is, as we've been saying, but they, they're all good people who are trying to do good things. Yeah. And even, even, um, earlier in this season when, uh, is it Ainsley? The Ainsley Hayes. Yeah. She's, she's a Republican and she comes in and works on his staff and they treat her with a lot of respect, and she treats him with a lot of respect. And he just is willing to uh, and able to surround himself with really smart, really loyal people. And that's what makes the whole series work, are all of these. I think it's interesting what you said earlier about that um, the initial plan was to only have the staff and not have the president. And it's hard for me to imagine the series working as well as it does without uh, Bartlett there. But it's also impossible to imagine the series without these really strong supporting characters. Right. And some of them do leave uh, and, and new characters get brought in, but they're usually, you know, as interesting characters that are brought in. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the other characters, uh, there are some really good moments in this episode for some of the other characters as well. Toby has his own mini plot line of uh, in the uncertainty of, What's going to happen? Uh, Leo McGarry, the chief of staff, kind of gives Toby a lifeline where he could go work in the private sector. Someone offers him a very powerful job for a new news network to be the news director. And it would be higher paying than the job he has now. It would be long term, a long-term job. And Toby is furious that Leo McGarry offered him this job. <laughs> or, you know, uh, arranged for him to have this job offer come his way. Uh, Toby, Toby Ziegler's an interesting character. He, he kind of only has two levels. He's either whispering or he's, he's yelling (laughs) (laughs) and, and, uh, he yells at Leo about why, why would you give me the, you know, why would you send him my way? And, uh, and he says, did you ever, could you imagine any situation in which I would have taken that job? And Leo says, no. And, uh, and Toby says, then why did you, why did you offer it? And uh, Leo says so that so that he would know that. And, and I think we've uh, we talked about this some. We, we interpreted this two different ways. I thought the he that pronoun so that he would know that was President Bartlett. That President Bartlett needed to know his staff wasn't going anywhere. And I think that it's the the TV people. I think Same. that he wanted yeah he wanted the, the private sector to leave him alone. He wanted the private sector to know that this president is strong. I mean the the worst case scenario would be that the whole White House staff starts jumping ship before the president's even made his announcement about whether or not he's going to he's going to run again. But um, but Leo, I think Leo is anticipating in some ways the president's decision to run again um, in. In the way – so the White House has this long history of leaking stuff at the right time in the right way so that news agencies can get a hold of something 
uh, before it's actually announced. And I think this is Leo's way of leaking to the press, like, we're not going anywhere. But I think I both know. interpretations work. <laughs> and uh, both are, I mean, I, I think they they work to strengthen both characters, Leo and uh, and Toby. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of Leo playing the, the chess game, you know, planning okay. ahead and, and maneuvering pieces to give them the best, you know, support that they need. Yeah. Another favorite moment of mine is Charlie, and he he has like five lines of dialogue in this this episode. He's <laughs> he's not there very much, but he has one of my favorite Charlie moments of of the entire series. Charlie is uh, what's what's his actual job title? Is it the President's Man? <laughs> I don't know what he's called. <laughs> Hang on here, Charlie ba- Bagman. West <laughs> Wing. Like Let's see. What is he? Charlie Young. Hang on, Wikipedia's got it for us. He's the personal aide to President okay. Josiah Bartlett. Personal aide. So Charlie is, Charlie is President Bartlett's personal aide. And in that, that scene that we talked about where President Bartlett walked out, walked out into the storm and got soaking wet, he comes back in because Charlie's saying, we got to go. The motorcade's waiting. we got to get to this press conference. And when the president comes back in, Charlie offers the president an overcoat. And the president just walks by. And the shot lingers on Charlie after the president uh, exits the room and Charlie takes off his own overcoat and walks with the president without it kind of saying, whatever the president does, I'm with him. Right. And then, uh, not everybody takes their overcoats off, but nobody uses an umbrella as he, he picks up this whole entourage. They go outside to get in the cars. They get out of the cars at the state department and go inside and nobody's using umbrellas. They're all, uh, in it together, a band of brothers and sisters. (laughs) Any other uh, characters that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about? I really love Donna. She's just... <laughs> Donna! She's the great... She really is one of my favorite characters in this whole series. And this isn't um, This isn't her best. I mean, she's not featured in this episode like she is in the episode just before this, which we'll probably never talk about on this podcast. So I'm just going to say uh, my vote for um, best supporting actor or actress is for Donna in the episode right before this one because she's <laughs> she's just awesome and as everybody's freaking out about the president uh having MS she um she just is so, concerned uh, for everyone's comfort yeah so everyone like Josh and Toby when they find out they yell and they scream and they chew out Leo <laughs> and everybody's Leo worried kind of- about polls and let's get polls in the field and let's let's see if we have a chance at winning this thing and it's all about the politics and, and they're hurt that they were left out of this yeah. like there's some personal anger that the, they weren't trusted enough with this knowledge because I think it was just the president and his wife right and Hoynes that, that, and Hoynes that knew about it and so you know there, there's personal anger there's concern about politics and when Donna finds out her her question is I, I want to get it word for word. Do you remember it word for word? No, but she just is concerned it, it about says, him. Is, and, is he okay? Right. Is the president okay? And then, um, and then later on the in the episode, she's arranging couches so that everybody can have places to rest while they're trying to figure out all the everything that's going on. And she just is human and focused on human problems when everybody else kind of loses their head over the politics. And I think that's awesome. 
So I don't know if that's legal or not in our podcast for me to <laughs> to jump. We're making up the rules, so we will to allow jump it. episodes. But Don and I mean Donna's good in this one. She I, she's at some she point we'll be talking the, about uh, the West Wing again, but I don't know that it'll be that episode. <laughs> she gets the numbers for about the tropical storm for for the president. Right. Yeah, that he was asking about. Yep. All right. Well, do you want to seeing if there's anything else? Hold on. I guess um, were there any key moments that kind of stood out to you that made President Bartlett Bartlett for you in this episode? I mean, it's, it's an odd episode to talk about that because he's off his game for so much of it. Yeah, I don't know. The more I think about our choosing this one as our episode for Jed Bartlett, I think, whoa, we need to do another one where we get to see <laughs> him as him. I mean, there, I think we see... So here's a, here's a roundabout way of answering your question. I think we see Josh doing Bartlett better than we see Bartlett doing Bartlett in the whole episode. So Josh has this, one of this kind of sub plots of this episode is Josh is trying to, um, Josh's role in the white house is basically the president's like attack dog in Congress. And he goes after congressmen and he does all the wheeling dealing to make stuff happen. And there's a, a tobacco bill, uh, that he's trying to get passed. And he words us, he, he, he writes up a statement and it's worded really, really strongly. It's fiery uh, rhetoric. It's <laughs> Yeah. And he takes it to CJ and he's really excited about this and he says, We need you know, it's time to let Bartlett be Bartlett and she says, We we that's great. This is just like the old times. But we have to we can't do this right now because it's gonna get buried by all of this other stuff that's happening. And you see this kind of um hurt in Josh, like he just is dying to just get back out on the war path and do his thing. Um, and he, he, he kind of just the look on his face is like, well, what are we doing then? Right. <laughs> like, you know, what, what are we here for? If we can't make this kind of a difference, like this is just an open and shut. It's the tobacco companies were lying to the American people. This is going to help the American people, uh, recover from what the tobacco companies did. It's, it seems like it's open and shut politically and everything. And he's just kind of is, you know, well, why are we here? If, if we can't do this. Yeah. But, but when you see him kind of excited and writing that thing and feeling like, you know, fiery and passionate about it, I think, I think that's, that's Bartlett through, uh, through Josh. Yeah. And also I think the, the moments where we see Bartlett the most is when he starts giving the numbers back to Landingham. I, when he, when he was younger, he needed someone to give him the numbers in a lot of this episode, he's asking other people for numbers and they're giving them to him, but he's not reacting to them, but he's becoming himself again. Like he, he's, you know, reawakening when we have, again, that, that fantastic, not fantastic as in glorious, but fantastic as in supernatural scene with the ghost of Mrs. Mrs. Landingham. And he kind of reasserts himself and you know, he says to her, well, what are the numbers? And she says, you give me the numbers. And he rattles them off. He has them again. He's, he's re taking control of, of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that the place where he sort of gets back in his groove is actually in the church yelling at God. I mean, if if we're looking for uh, the turning point, that's that's it. And he's in this sacred space, um, and he's reached rock bottom, and he's facing his father in a way that he was never able to as a young man. I mean, we're talking about two cathedrals, but we're also talking about two fathers which this episode could easily have been called. Um, and he failed the first time that he tried to confront his father. And the second time 
um, at least he got out what he wanted to say. And, uh, and I, I feel, I, I think that that's an important moment for him. And we see that, that fire and, and he's spouting numbers to God as well. And so, uh, yeah. Um, this is like maybe an editing. We should go and put this back, uh, when we're talking about other characters, but there's a moment in the cathedral where Leo, I think has such a human moment. Uh, it captures the awkwardness of interactions when, you know, someone is emotional and grieving. I think I know what you're going to say. (laughs) It's right after the service has ended and he walks up to the president and he says, it was a great service. I thought, and there's this awkward pause and he says, I thought it was a great service. You know, he just kind of repeats himself. And then he said, she was a real broad, a real (laughs) dame. (laughs) It's like, just, I don't know what to say, but we got to say something. Uh, you know, he repeats himself. It's awkward. And I think we've all, experience the, those moments when you don't know what to say, but you feel the need to fill the silence with something. Yeah. And it's another moment of, of good writing, like knowing what that moment needed. And then a, a great performance by John Spencer playing Leo McGarry to put all of that awkwardness there into the line delivery. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm, I'm going to chime in. And basically the only thing I want to say with Bartlett, not being Bartlett, or at least there being shadows of him throughout He's got these physical gestures that he uses. Like, there's the way he puts on that coat. I don't think he does that in this episode, but the younger version does. Right. He, uh, that was our producer, Andrew, chiming in. He, <laughs> throughout the series, Bartlett has a way that always fascinates when I see it, where he's putting on his jacket, where he doesn't put one arm in and then the other. He throws the whole thing over his, his back and, like, slides both arms in simultaneously. And, I'm pretty you know, sure cool. that he does. I think they, they use it as a jump cut. It, uh, you know, I'd have to watch the episode looking for it. I'm I can't picture him doing it depressed. I think that he does. I'm, 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 uh, is it when he's leaving the, uh, the war room? Uh, he's leaving somewhere and he puts his coat on and it jump cuts to young Bartlett. Uh, pulling the coat pulling down. Pulling the coat right. down. It's the transition. Yeah, they use that as transition. That, that's ringing a bell. But you that are, absolutely, like you are absolutely right that he is, I mean, he's just defeated and kind of sighing and, He's fiddling with his cigarette in the situation room while everybody's – I mean the, the, all these people's lives are on the line, and he's just so distracted and so distraught. And my four-year-old daughter was came in the room when I was watching this, and she said, Daddy, what is wrong with that man? <laughs> it's a really good performance by Martin Sheen. In this one. You can just tell that he is, he is really upset. All right. Well, anything else that you need to add? No, this is good stuff. Go look it up on Netflix or or wherever you can get it because it's worth it. Is our, is our outro written in here? It is. Looking for it. Do you want to read the outro? I've got it, yeah. Uh, okay. That wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can subscribe to The Protagonist in iTunes, and we would encourage you to leave a review there if you like what you hear. You can find complete show notes for this episode and a list of all of our shows at protagonistpodcast.com. If you have suggestions or things you'd like to hear us talk about or comments about the podcast, you can send them uh, send us an email at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com or you can find us on Twitter at, at protagonistpod. Uh, you can also find uh, each of us on Twitter. I'm at Todd K. Mack. Uh, he's at Jay Dorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. Next week will be better, everyone.
producer Andrew's room smells very nice. Festive. <laughs>